Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Hello, hello. Hey, good morning. You guys can keep talking. I like that you like each other. Well, hey, welcome to Vineyard Westside. If you haven't been here before, I'm glad you're here. Um, this, is, uh, this is a good church. And so, yeah. So I'm glad you're here because um, this is a, a place where a lot of times we get people in the same room with Jesus. And uh, a lot of times they end up falling in love with him because he's, he's, he's that good. Uh, we're going to invite our ushers to come forward and give an offering together. Uh, if you would pray with me, that'd be great. God, thank you for that time of worship together. Thank you that we get to do that, that we get to connect with you, we get to hear from you, we get to uh, sing praise to you, we get to thank you, we get to ask you for help. We just love you. Lord, we give you this offering and we just pray that you would use it for really whatever you want to do. Pray that you would give us wisdom and ideas and new avenues and ways to reach more people. You keep, you keep showing us things that we never thought we'd see. You keep uh, giving us opportunities that don't make any sense to us. And we just are, we're just blessed by you. So we want to see more of it so that we can bless other people. Jesus, thank you for pulling some of us out of hell. We're asking that you would pull more. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 All right, they're going to pass those things along. And hey, we're going to jump into it, all right? How are you guys doing? What time does it get dark out? Seven o'clock. Where do you live? It gets dark at my house at like 450. Today's message is called Dark Too Early. It's dark too early. Uh, this is a, something that I like to talk about whenever I can because this is a, a thing that continues to hit every year right around this time. A lot of people find themselves in a rut or in a pit or in darkness of some kind, in, in a funk. Like, I don't know, people ask you how you're doing and this is where you start to say, oh, I'm okay, I guess. So we had the, the time change a few weeks ago, right? And it, it's like, this is the good one, where we get to fall back. Like, we get an extra hour, right? It's good for one day, and it's horrible for five months. Because it gets dark too early. It gets dark too early. This is a proven, proven, proven thing that there is a seasonal affective disorder that happens with a lot of people during this time. That basically just the lack of sunlight, the lack of vitamin D, the lack of time to go out and do things uh, can, can cause, um, it can cause a sadness, it can cause a seasonal depression, it can cause people to feel like they're just in a rut or in a pit, uh, stuck somehow. 
Dr. Shelby Harris, uh, she's a director of the Behavioral Sleep Medicine Program in New York. She writes that anytime you change the body's clock, even by an hour, it really throws off all the hormones in your body. Our biological clocks are so well set that even an hour's difference in light exposure can create changes in the body. The result of those changes is feeling tired and cranky. Anybody? Tired cranks. Feeling tired and cranky, which can result in overeating and binge eating. Check, check. As well as the blues. Some get constant cluster headaches. Cluster headaches occur when one side of the head results in pain for days or weeks. Experts say that the time shifts that are forced by daylight savings time cause them for certain susceptible people. Then there are those people who suffer emotionally. A lot of people with the seasonal change have less exposure to daylight and they can have more symptoms of depression. People might be more irritable. They're feeling less energy and just feeling more down like it's the winter blues. As a result, we have to deal with the dark mornings and evenings and the urge to pick up our mood with food. This is not, I mean, this is a scientific, like if you're wondering why the heck, why can't I stop eating lately? Because it gets dark at 4.50. This is a thing that affects all of us in some way. I mean, every now and again I meet a person who's just chipper around this time, uh, but not, not a lot. A lot of us end up kind of getting into a, a, at least a seasonal thing or a funk, or, and if you don't, praise God. I'm so, I love that for you, and we're trying to get more of us to catch your good disease. <laughs> but it's something that affects a lot of us, for some of us, it's just a funk, and it lasts for a little while. Um, some people, I mean, my uncle's been in a funk for 57 years. <laughs> sometimes it's lifelong. It's not just seasonal. When I was growing up, uh, one of the things that, one of my greatest things I've ever loved in my whole life is, is riding dirt bikes. I used to race dirt bikes at a place called Haspen Acres in uh, Indiana, a little bit past Metamora, if you know where that is. Um, 700 acres uh, of wooded area that you could ride through. They had uh, races set up called hair scrambles, which were kind of like an obstacle course in the woods. There were also two different race tracks, a small track and a big track. And uh, I broke many bones on these tracks. <laughs> um, one of the things though that would happen on the big track especially, is that this one could handle like dune buggies and things like that on it. And the dune buggies would tear up the track so bad, we would get so angry that they were allowed on the track at the same time. Plus you could almost get hit by one, it was just a mess. But they would cause ruts in the track that could be two, three, four feet deep. Uh, it would start with a small one, and if you're on a dirt bike and you come in, <laughs> it's really hard to get your front tire out of a rut once you've flown into it. And the rut would just get deeper and deeper and deeper. And you had to figure out what to do because some of these things, they just, they wouldn't end. <laughs> Eventually, you would just get lodged in it. Uh, you had to decide either I'm going to 
stop. I'm going to get over to the side and pull my bike out of it. Uh, I'm going to try to hit the gas hard, pull the front wheel up, and, and launch my way out of it. This was usually my way. And I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> uh, or just riding it out to see where it would end. Like, how far is this thing going to go? But they could go hundreds of feet. You'd be stuck in this rut. I lost races because of these ruts. Getting stuck in them, trying to yank my way out of them, stopping to pick my bike up out of them. And these things were just so frustrating. Even if you tried to ride it out, even if you did everything perfectly, if you found yourself stuck in one, at the very least it was going to slow you down. It was going to slow you way down. These ruts are things that can happen in other parts of our lives. These kind of traps. Places where you just get bogged down, slowed down. Uh, you catch something that you weren't expecting to hit. And then all of a sudden, you're just, why am I, why is everybody passing me? Why is, uh, why do I feel like I, I'm, I'm stuck and all of a sudden I'm not doing anything that I want to do. I'm just doing what I have to do. It's getting dark early. It's getting dark early and what happens is, and this lack of vitamin D that we're getting, this screwy biological clock, a lot of us end up feeling down on a, a, a natural level. Um, the bad, scary part about that for me and that I know for, for myself and for a lot of other people is that when, when I'm in that place, it's a, a door opening for the enemy to come in and do something else. If I'm in a weakened state. That was for you, Josh. First Peter chapter 5, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ... After you've suffered for a little while, he will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Yes. I love that. I love that our God is that big. I love that we are able to walk in victory, those who have given our lives to him, that we don't have to be victims, that we don't have to be downtrodden, we don't have to be, we don't have to be the sad kid. But... We let ourselves get to that spot, don't we? Why do we do that? Why do we let ourselves get to that place so quickly? Just because of a time change? Is it just because one of the reasons why so many of us hit it at this point in the year is because it's been building up. Because it's been building up. And maybe we're able to carry it for a certain period of time. Uh, but something, the scale finally tips at some point when you're Lack of sunlight, lack of doing things outside. Now it's cold. You know that it, it, it has been studied and proven that, you know, a lot of us love just hunkering down and getting under blankets and stuff like that. That causes depression. It does. That does not help people. I want it to. <laughs> I want it to. King David is kind of the poster boy for 
seasonal depression. Uh, King David has displayed a lot of up and down bipolar behavior throughout scripture. And it's one of my favorite people because you get to see his, his victories and his losses. You get to see his, his times where he feels like a complete failure and also where he feels like the king that he is. In Psalm chapter 40, this is what David says. David wasn't always a king. Psalm 40 says, I, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, pulled me out of the mud and the mire. The mire is that sediment that ends up forming on the bottom. It's all the junk that is settled. But mire is a thing. It doesn't become solid. Mire is stuff that randomly will pop up. It'll come back up. Uh, it doesn't become one and stay on the bottom. Like if you imagine some kids with a, a, a beach ball uh, in the pool or in the ocean, and if you've ever tried to stuff that beach ball under the water and you're not big enough, you're not big enough to keep it down for very long. You get it under the water, but eventually, it doesn't matter how strong you are, eventually, unless you pop the thing, eventually it's going to come back up. It's going to come shooting back up. And usually when I see little kids, they lost it at some point. They're trying to hold it, and, and it comes back up out of the water. They can't keep it submerged. Eventually, the mire works its way to the surface like that. It spills ugliness. It spills darkness. It spills regret, it spills shame, it spills uh, bad habits, all those things into your life. It eventually comes up. Eventually it comes up. Meyer comes in all kinds of shapes and sizes. It could be uh, buried pain for some of you. And I have conversations with a lot of you. Um, there's a wound somewhere, typically, that will resurface again and again and again, and maybe you've had trouble working past it, that a parent did something, uh, or a sibling did, or you did something to a parent or to a friend, that there was a falling out of some sort, that you got fired from a job, that you, you didn't feel like you did anything wrong, that friends that you thought were close friends turned on you. Like stuff like that where it's a, a wound and that can be the mire. It could be on you, the unresolved anger. That, I mean, how many times have we talked about it? If you have somebody that you're holding unforgiveness towards, if you're harboring unforgiveness, I, 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 it's not working out well because you're not really doing anything to them. It's like trying to, uh, you know, you're trying to get rid of a rat that's in your life. This, this unforgiveness. And instead of poisoning the rat, you are eating it. And you're getting bitter, and you're getting, and it's just, and it's you that's suffering. And that stuff ends up coming up to the surface. That stuff 
will spill ugliness and, man, just, uh, just pain a lot of times. Hidden sin ends up bubbling up to the surface. And freedom from that pit or that rut, freedom from that, that funk even, freedom from that seasonal depression, freedom from that blues, freedom from that blah, it demands a confrontation of our past. It always demands a confrontation of our past for us to actually have some kind of freedom that we would have to face something. We have to face either something that we did or something that was done to us or why something didn't happen for us. And so what it says, what David says is, I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and he heard my cry. He heard my cry. What that tells me is that um, I have to cry out to God. That I have to cry out to him. That's what David did. He said, I need an answer. I need uh, a help. I need a savior. I need a, a hope. I need a something, Lord. It says he turned to me and heard my cry. And so for some of us, we have to cry out to God. Um, we had in our, we have a, a a quick prayer time before the service uh, every Sunday over in our green room and we just get together to pray about all of you coming in and what God is going to do and what we hope that he'll do and just inviting him to move and uh, and one of the prayer we're kind of kind of joking and laughing at one of the prayers this morning because it it didn't sound like a traditional prayer at all um, and it was, it was much more technical. It was much more, uh, God, I'm stressed out about this because, and we have, and there's a job description that says we got to do this, and this is over here, and wait, and God, I know that it's okay if it doesn't happen, but it's not okay because, and, but I just, I, I kept thinking about it. I'm like, that's crying out to God. That is crying out to God. That's not getting myself together to pray properly. Um, God doesn't want you to, put, he's seen you on the toilet. Like, I mean, if you're one of the people who's like, let me see if I'm doing this right. Um, he's seen you at your worst moment, whatever it was. And he just, and he still wants to talk to you. <laughs> and so what, do, and so how do I pray? What do I pray about? How do I cry out to God? You say, God, I'm sick of being single. For some of you, for some of you, you say, God, I'm sick of being in a loveless marriage. And so, God, would you bring love into my marriage? For some of you, it's, God, you, I need your help to lose weight. For some of you, it's, God, I need you to give me a spark of joy, some hope. Lord, I need you to move in some way. God, I need you to show me that you're real, that you exist. Show me a sign. Just crying out to him about whatever it is. It could be highly detailed. 
Philippians chapter 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. He says you need to be fixating and focusing and saying and writing the things down that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable. You write these things down. If anything is excellent, write it down. Say it. Think about it. If anything is good, because when you think about these things, when you are filled up with the right stuff, there isn't room for the wrong stuff. Like, there's no vacancy. So, fill up with the right stuff, there's no room for the wrong stuff. If you don't let the devil impress you with the things that he does, then he can't oppress you. If you're not impressed... By what he does, then he can't oppress you. If he can't oppress you, he can't depress you. Um, a lot of times, and what I mean is, like, if are are we impressed by what the enemy is doing? And so we say, do you spend most of your time talking about how bad the world is? Do you spend most of your time complaining? Do you spend most of your time thinking about the things that are wrong in your life or the things that are missing in your life? These are ways that you are allowing the devil to impress you. And so we can choose to be led. We can choose to be led by somebody else. Choose to be led by the Holy Spirit. So that we, we can walk in victory over depression. We can choose to keep a hopeful attitude. And renewing our minds with the promises that are found in God's word. We've been talking about those truths lately that, man, you can find the truth about you all over in the word of God, and it is beautiful stuff that you've been created in the image and likeness of him, that in all things you can do through him because of his strength, that he'll never leave you or forsake you, that he knows you, he knows your name that he calls you sons and daughters, that he has given you a certificate of adoption, that he doesn't just love you, he likes you. He does, because he made you. He made you, and anything that, anything that anybody on this earth likes about you, uh, it was because you were made in the image and likeness of him. And it's a thing where you're reflecting, you're reflecting who he is. It's just coming out of you. We can start claiming some of those promises as our own. That greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Who's in the world? The enemy. He's prowling around like a lion, it says, waiting for an opportunity. But greater is he who is in me 
that he's in, and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. That's pretty crazy. And so anyways, we can't control all of our circumstances. Uh, we can't control um, bad stuff coming at us. And sometimes it just does. Sometimes uh, you have a story that, man, that's a sad one. That's a hard one. Some, some, some of us have gone through some stuff. And we can't control all of that stuff. But what we can do, we don't have to let it ruin our tomorrow because we're in charge of that. We can actually turn things around by making a decision to let go of that stuff, those situations that cause disappointments or discouragement and move toward, forward to the things that God has for us. Again, a lot of times it, it requires us facing this stuff, though we gotta, if you know of a thing, you know of a thing, what's the thing that was maybe a defining moment in your life that changed things for the worse? What was the thing that, you know, a breakup, uh, uh, somebody you loved dying, you know, just something, something. What is that thing? How do you face it? How do you let it come up to the surface and you cry out to God and you say, what, God, what do I do with this beach ball? What do I do with this thing? I've been trying to shove it down forever and it just, it still just eventually pops up. Jesus isn't just the way, he's also the way out. He's the way out. He's the way out of the rut, he's the way out of the pit, he's the way out of the darkness, he's the way out of the, the, the cruddy routine. John chapter 14, he says, if you love me, then keep my commands. And I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. That's the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, it says, that's the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I'll not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Yes, yes. So what we're going to do is just wrap up early with prayer. And um, see, see if anything pops up or anything, anything for you to pray about specifically. Um, Lord Jesus, thank you for the people in this room. Thank you for brothers and sisters uh, to figure this thing out with. Thank you for a place where we don't always have to be right. Thank you for grace. Thank you for other people who don't have all the answers. Thank you for not punishing us because we get things wrong. And we just pray that you would help us to to get ourselves out of that rut, that you would be the crane that lifts us out, that you would be uh, whatever part of it. And we just, 
we cry out to you, we say we need help because we don't want to be we don't want to be people who are living a less than life. We want to be people who are crushing it, honestly. And you didn't make us to be losers. You didn't make us to be um, sad sacks. You didn't make us to be downers. You didn't make us to be complainers. Help us to step into victory. Help us to step into favor. Step into blessing. Step into glory. Help us to step into your Holy Spirit's presence. That you would surround us. That anything we have going on, that we would be able to pray into it, recognize there's an army of angels at our disposal. For anybody that in, in this room who, that, you know, their stuff, their muck and their mire is church, is religion, is their experience with you. God, that you would just be meeting with them in a different place, speaking truth over it. God, that they would know that that, that wasn't you. That if it was a thing that was, was not right, that it wasn't you. You're a good, good father, and you give good gifts to your children. And you said, what father, if his son or daughter asks him for bread, would give him a stone? Not you. Thank you for being a good dad. Help us be people that fill in those ruts, that lead the way, that step out and do something differently, that change up the routine, that don't just bury our heads and hope for the best, but that we actually give effort to it. We take things, we look at them, we say, what is this thing that is causing me to hide? And we let it just bubble up to the surface and we look at it from all sides and we repent or we feel the pain of it. We cry through it we, and we cry out for help. And we trust that you'll be there. We pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, hey, you guys, I hope you guys have a good week. Um, we will see you very soon. And uh, yeah, bless you favor. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.